Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, almost Happy New Year, I guess, as we finish the end of our Advent season and have celebrated uh, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we get to finish the story a bit today. Uh, first of all, I, I see some visitors today. Let me introduce myself. Welcome to you. Uh, my name is David Thies. I'm one of the elders here at the church. I'm not Pastor Luke, who's here. Uh, we have the privilege, uh, the elders, periodically of, of filling the pulpit, uh, uh, and this is one of those weeks. And actually, it's, uh, it's a, an interesting week for me because I was able to speak last week as well, which allowed me the opportunity to see a story in two different pieces. Uh, last week, you'll remember, we did the story of what we call the three wise men, or the kings, or the magi, the story of how God led uh, those uh, non-believers, those pagans, to come uh, knowing that uh, a star was predicted to rise and to lead to the birth of a king. Uh, and those, those magi, those wise men, came and found the king. And as we saw last week, the principle uh, that we found in that part of the scripture, that part of Matthew, was that when God leads us, he's always leading us to himself. He's never going to take you or me away from himself. And as he brings us to himself, he leads us into a time that we worship. And that's, of course, what the three kings did. They, they, uh, they fell down on their knees and they, they provided gifts to him. Uh, not totally understanding the theological significance of who this baby was, but knowing that it was something special that had been predicted. And, uh, and, and of course, all who came around the baby knew that this was the fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, this week, we see a different kind of leading, just as much a part, in a way, of the story of the birth of Jesus just as much a part of the story of the three kings, as we see God leading always to himself, but sometimes away from places that we feel we should be heading, and, and doing it because of our need to be protected. So here in this week's scripture, we have the story of the uh, family of Jesus, Joseph, uh, and his family being led by God away from Jerusalem, away from Bethlehem uh, to Egypt. Uh, and, and the reason for that was that the family was at great risk. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But in these two different stories about the birth of Jesus, we see first that God always leads towards himself, but also that as that is happening, persecution, difficulty is inevitable. It's always going to happen. It's promised in the scriptures. But that as he calls us to embrace that persecution, to confront it and to live it, he also protects us, just as he protected uh, the family, the young family of Joseph and Mary and their baby Jesus. We also see uh, in some of the more subtle sides of this story that the protection that he provides to us is not always comfortable. It's not always what we want because the timing is God's. And in his timing, we find a perfect plan, but not always our plan. But then there's more to the story as we see, there it goes, as we see that the protection that he takes us to is ultimately perfect. We have to define that in God's way. So, 
The scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. It's the continuation of the story we started last week. Uh, I'll read that in a second, but would you pray with me now as we begin the scripture? Let's, let's pray. Father, I pray for each of us here as we uh, are confronted by you in this scripture, the story that there are times in our lives when out of your desire to love us, you also protect us. My Father, that as we confront situations in our lives where we are persecuted or going through difficulty, that you would show us where you are seeking to uh, take us down a path for our protection. And ultimately, Father, that that protection is perfect as you make an eternity with you possible. I pray for each person listening to these words today that as they are confronted by persecution or difficulty or hardship, that they would look for you continuing to lead, uh, not just towards yourself, but also to a safe place, a safe place that is an eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Matthew, the second chapter, verses 13 through 18. Now when they, and by they we're talking about the kings, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And then he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. So ends the reading of the scripture. So we see a different side to the story. We see the vulnerability of a young human baby who was potentially going to be subjected to the anger of King Herod. Herod, of course, was the, the king who was uh, uh, serving or was, um, was in charge in the area of Palestine. He was an Edomite. He was hated by the Jews. The Jews disliked the leadership that he provided. And he was ultimately completely about himself. That's why last week we talked about the different reactions to the birth of the baby Jesus, one of which was Herod himself, who felt threatened. Just as any of us can feel threatened when we feel that God's plan is taking us to a place that we don't want to go. We don't always agree with God's planning, but God has a perfect plan for us. Now, in this story, we see that God is going to lead Joseph and his family away from Jerusalem. That seems sort of counterintuitive if you think about it. After all, we've just celebrated an incredible supernatural event, the incarnation into this world, the incarnation of God in the form of a, of a baby. 
and it was recognized, the shepherds were there, the wise men came, the predictions have been made. And so the reality is that God has now come into human form into our world. You would think that the story might at that point continue in Jerusalem as this baby, supernatural as he was, in addition to being human, might begin the process of overthrowing the earthly kings, the, the Herods of the world. And yet, God says, no, that's not my timing. God leads this family away from the action. It's worth, uh, it's worth thinking about this in the context of our own lives and how we handle the timing that God imposes upon us. Um, now, we don't very often have direct communication with God where we literally and clearly speak about the problems that we're facing, and yet in the scriptures we find God's word. But often God speaks to us in the circumstances that we face. We might have a door that closes or opens that we weren't expecting. We might have a lifelong desire and plan and goal and passion that just seems to not be fulfilled, at least not in the way or in the time that we prefer. And yet God, if we listen, will tell us that you know, maybe there's a place we need to go to, sometimes for our safety, sometimes because he's continuing to develop us, to teach us about himself. Ultimately, though, the principle from last week remains true. He's always leading us toward, towards himself. Well, in the life of Jesus, this was one of those times. God's timing was that Jesus needed to leave the action. He was raised for at least some part of his life in Egypt before, after the death of Herod and the danger went away, God brought Joseph and his family back. And so hence the, the fulfillment of the scripture, out of Egypt, I, I called my son. It's Jesus coming back out of Egypt. I wonder if you argue, as I argue, sometimes with God about the timing that he has imposed upon our lives. Um, we're human, and we are motivated by many, many things, including worldly passion and ambition. And sometimes the world's definition of success, the, the things we're seeking to accomplish, doesn't quite square with where God wants to take us. And so he takes us to a different place. It might be uh, a different career or a different relationship or a different need that God wants to use us to, to meet. There are all kinds of examples of this. And if we have the right attitude, if we see our circumstances as a reflection of God's will for our lives, then you can see how we can be so open to becoming the people God wants us to be. Now, God, God can cause anything to happen that he wants to cause to happen. He doesn't need us to consent or agree or go along. But if you want to be all that God has made possible in your life, then what this story tells me is that we should be listening and that we should be understanding our circumstances from the perspective of God's will. That's what was happening to Joseph and his family. He says, in a dream, take this family down to Egypt and it's because I want you to be safe. I could imagine Joseph, who, who after all knew what was going to happen. Both he and Mary had, had been visited and they knew. Can, can't you see the possibility that Joseph might have said, hey, we're inv invincible. No problem here. Let's just stay and we'll watch what happens because Herod is going to be conquered by this baby. 
didn't happen. God took him away, and it was for his safety. It was all part of his plan. And here we find a couple of different principles that I want to I talk about just for a second, and the, the points are on the back of your, your bulletin. The first is the inevitability of persecution. That was the problem, after all. That's what, that's what God was protecting Jesus from in an earthly sense, the inevitable persecution that was going to happen. Uh, and then secondly, we'll look at the reality of the protection that God provides as a result of that persecution. Let's start with the inevitability of persecution. And once again, we can here look at this and understand it in the context of things that you and I might be going through in our lives. Persecution can be everything from uh, outright uh, condemnation because of your faith, because you are seeking to act according to God's will in your life. And it might be just the hardship that we face, hardships that in our human minds we think are preventing us from doing the things we think God wants us to do. It takes on many forms, but what, it is, pro- what is promised in the Bible is that this persecution or this hardship will happen and we can expect it. That's what took place at the very beginning of Jesus' life as Herod thought he was going to get rid of the, the promised king by killing all of the babies. Just listen to a few uh, Bible passages that talk about the inevitability of persecution. And as, as I read these, consider where you are right now in your life and where you might be facing some of these kinds of things. Fifth chapter of Matthew says, first of all, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a nice thing to think about as we consider the inevitability of persecution. It says that those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness will be blessed. Second Corinthians 12 says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak then I am strong. That's Paul's observation of the persecution that would come into his life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Again, Paul. The Gospel of John in his 15th chapter says something that we all can identify with, I think. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it it hated you. Jesus is saying, if you feel that you're experiencing this hatred or persecution or hardship, understand that I've been through it as well, says Christ. The sixth chapter of Luke, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Eighth chapter of Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Again in the fifth chapter of Matthew, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Always will happen. Matthew chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And in the 10th chapter of Mark, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. The 31st 
uh, psalm says, My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. And just a few more. First Peter, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And finally, the, th- the 23rd Psalm, the one that is so, so familiar. Be, uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's a different chapter. but So you can see, just over and over again, persecution is promised. It's not something that you can go get a self-help plan at the, at the bookstore uh, as a way of avoiding all persecution. It's not going to happen. It is, it is promised. So recognizing that the persecution is promised, we then turn to the second point. That is that we can be comforted in the midst of that persecution by the reality that Jesus has experienced all that we experience as believers. Here, Jesus faces the persecution of Herod and his followers. It, it was to be expected. Stop for a moment and consider why persecution is so inevitable. Why would it be that, especially after the prophecy had been made and now fulfilled, why would it be that people in the world seek to persecute the believing Christian? And I want to return just for a second to last week's message where we looked at Herod's reaction. Herod, who felt so threatened by the prospect of a king coming into the world, the reality of King Jesus and all that he means to the world is that if we don't accept his kingship, we are threatened by it. And it's because we have other kings and rulers in our lives that take the place of Jesus if we, aren't, if we don't allow Jesus to be there. So, Jesus was feeling the same thing that you and I feel as a baby, as he was facing the possibility of death when Herod was going to kill all of the babies. And that's true of so many different situations that we find ourselves in when the world reacts to the truth of the faith that we share together. The faith that God came into this world to solve the problem of sin. Not me, not my money, not my reputation, not my advanced degrees, not the relationships I have, not even the things that are of God and are so loving like family and the health that He provides to us. Those, those things won't solve the problem of sin. And that's the ultimate problem. Because in sin we face the reality of the consequence of that sin and that is death. And to a ruler in this world Jesus was a threat. So again, count on it. But as we count on persecution, we can also count on the reality of God's protection. That's the important part of this story. Can you count on being protected? Yes. God teaches that. He does it here with Jesus, but there are just as many passages in the Scriptures that talk about the protection. Now this is a harder thought for me, I have to admit. Because I consider the protection that God offers to me, I I have to confront the times when that protection comes along with some discomfort. God took Jesus to Egypt. He doesn't always take people to the Egypt, the safe place. He sometimes protects us in different ways. Um, the, The Egyptian protection here, if it were you or for me, we might say, God, I don't want to go to Egypt right now. 
And as you face persecution in your life, as you face whatever difficulty might exist in your life right now, God might take you to a place where you're not entirely happy, not happy with his timing or not happy with the consequence of his protection. Consider the fact that one easy, one, one obvious example of protection is when God closes a door, a door that we might want open, a career path, a education path, a, a friendship, a relationship, something that just for some reason seems to have been closed off to us and it's of God and it's because God doesn't want us to go there because it is unsafe. Just like when we would say to our kids, uh, you know, the easiest way to avoid the difficulty that comes from being out late at night in a place you shouldn't be is to don't go there in the first place, right? How many times have I said that? How many times have I heard that from a parent? Perspective changes, you know. Uh, and we don't always like that. We don't always want to have the protection that God offers. Um, but ultimately, we can count on it, even if we do not always like it. Here's where the concept of protection becomes both subtle and profound. In this case, Jesus is protected. God does that for us, but we don't always like where we're going. Sometimes the consequences of the persecution are there even if we're being protected. But ultimately, and here's the final point, the protection that God offers to you and me is perfect. And that's because I might define protection as take me to Egypt or protect me from a bad person or close or open a door that I want to see open or closed. But that's not really what we're being protected from. Ultimately, the truth about the way God works in your life and mine is that his protection is eternal and it is ultimately about the problem of our sin. That's the gospel message. That's the message that the world needs to hear. That's the message that the world rebels against because it, it so uh, declaws the power of sin, the power of the world. The world needs to know that in the plan God has for us, he sent Jesus to die on the cross, that ultimately our problem with sin would be solved and we would spend an eternity with God. Now, here we see uh, a, a little bit more about the meaning of the prediction that Pastor Luke talked about Christmas Eve in our, in our sermon about the Magi as they came. He talks about the, the, uh, the Rachel grieving for the the children that she had um, and saying that uh, really she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to grieve. Um, the protection that God is offering that is talked about in that passage is a protection that results in restoration. That's the story of Jeremiah 31 uh, when we, we read that, um, that the, the children of Israel who had been separated from their homeland, who had been in exile, ultimately would be restored by God. And what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah is Rachel was grieving because her children were lost. And any mother would grieve for children being lost. But what the passage is saying is ultimately that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is the eternal one. And so Rachel can take great comfort, or Rachel being a symbol for the people of Israel, can take great comfort in knowing that the ultimate protection God provides us is that he leads us to an eternity with him. So how do you interpret the persecution that you're facing right now? 
Do you see it as a slap in your face because it is um, caused by some antagonism towards who you are? Do you understand it as a challenge to God's leadership in your life? Uh, are you resisting the way God wants to protect you from persecution? Well, uh, whatever your interpretation, understand that although the persecution we face is inevitable and it will be there, the protection that God provides also is inevitable. It won't always be the protection that we desire, but it's always the protection that is perfect and eternal and solves the problem of sin. And just as Rashan read to us the psalm, a psalm about bad people that are doing bad things to us, at the end, talking to God, the psalmist says, Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. For those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. I pray that that would be your understanding of the protection God offers to you. Even as we go through the difficulties of life, the persecutions, the hardships, the, uh, the tough times, the, the difficulty we have interpreting God's will for our life. But understand that ultimately God is about a perfect kind of protection for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for our circumstances that we face because through them we find you. In our weakness, there is your strength. Father, thank you that through all that happens in our lives, you continue to guide us. Yes, you promise persecution. It will always be there. But you also, Father, promise protection, not just in the immediate human kind of way, but also ultimately as we look for a way to conquer sin. We can't do that ourselves, Father. I pray that as we see our life circumstances, we won't be deluded into thinking that we can. Uh, give us a love for yourself and your grace, the promise of uh, forgiveness and for redemption and for restoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.